0: The second round of the Stanley Cup playoffs is heating up. We have all the excitement, the surprises, and the controversy. All that and more coming up on this episode of the Locked On NHL Podcast.
1: Your Locked On NHL, your daily podcast on the National Hockey League.
2: Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: all right everybody welcome to the monday edition of the locked on nhl podcast gil martin so glad to be with you today as i am every monday right here on the show and we have got some great guests lined up for today the second round of the stanley cup playoffs heating up there's controversy excitement and drama and we've got it all for you here on the show today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet online has you covered this season with more props odds and lines than ever before. Bet online where the game starts. And thank you for making Locked On NHL your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. It's my pleasure to welcome back to the show the host of Locked On Florida Panthers, Armando Velez and Armando uh little tough hole here, three nothing down. I certainly expected this to be a much closer series. L- I'll just open it up to you generally. What's going wrong here for the Florida Panthers right now?
1: Well, thank you again, Gil, for having me on once again on the show. Uh, usually I'm talking uh, great things when it comes to this Florida Panthers team, but it's uh, with, with the Panthers, it all just comes down to – The Tampa Bay lightning getting in the lanes of passing lanes and shots as well, and they're really helping their goaltender out Andre Vasilevsky and the Florida Panthers are. shooting the puck in lanes that aren't there this whole series and the Tampa Bay lightning have been able to not allow the Florida Panthers to go on rushes the other way to make Andre Vasilevsky's life uncomfortable that's really what it comes down to. Andre Vasilevsky hasn't been challenged by this Florida Panthers team and they're not really doing much to to get in front of the net to to make his life difficult and they finally got their power play drought out of the way scoring on the power play today but there's nothing to show after that that the this team that scored average four goals a game all of a sudden disappeared. Uh, the superstars aren't showing. There's a few chances that Barkov had in this game, but nothing really after that. Two pass happy on the power play, and not and when they're two pass happy, that allows the goalies to get set and to make those reactive saves. And there's not much traffic in front of the net for deflections. The power, the Tampa Bay Lightning got a power play goal by having a player in front of the net and tipping it in. Uh, Corey Perry was that 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 guy. And it, it's just really what it comes down to is the little, little details. And that comes to block shots and getting bodies in front of the net. So that's the story of this series. How much of this do you think is the
0: playoff experience of the Tampa Bay lightning, as opposed to the Panthers who obviously don't have as high a level of playoff experience coming into this series?
1: It has a lot to do with it because uh, when tensions get high and you're down, sometimes with, with an experienced team on the other side, you're not going to expect them to get any frustration penalties as well. And we've seen a few of them. We saw one in game one with Ben Shrot with a little bit of a headbutt, uh, known, all, which uh, resulted in a fine for Sherratt. And just, you know, the Panthers were able to keep the... Tampa Bay off the off the score sheet as far as the power play today, but even strength in games one and two were in the Panthers' favor, but the momentum from game two carried on to game three that the Lightning were the better team five on five in this one in this one in game three, and they played om- almost a complete sixty minute game in game two, but a little bit of a brain fart by the Panthers' defense having two players back. Allowing Nikita Kucherov to get a, a, a pass and connect with Ross Colton for that game winner. That was a heartbreaking loss as can be for the Cats. And it was all it's already a hard hole to be in for this team. You know, it's only happened four times in NHL history. I'm not saying I'm not gonna say that they're gonna come back from this. What I will say though is just win game four. Mm-hmm
0: you know in, in game three some of your best players struggled the most barkov was a minus four claude Giroux, jonathan Huberdeau, aaron ekblad each minus three what i mean what more do you need from these star players in these big games
1: just uh get the get the puck to the net and there was a power play where aaron ekblad was on the left side and Barkov didn't even look at him to connect on a pass. And it was after the Tampa Bay lightning had too many men on the ice. And it was just, he was going more to that right side and just not get, giving Aaron Eckblad an opportunity on the left-hand side to, to, he has a, a rock, a rocket of a one-timer shot from the left circle. And they're just not, they're not just not doing that. They're just overthinking on, on in, in their own offensive zone. And, the the Tampa Bay Lightning, they just have to, the, the, the Florida Panthers have to not give them the rush chances because they converted on quite a few um, on Sunday, including a rocket of a shot by Stephen Stamkos. Uh, I believe that was for the second goal of the game or, or third. Uh, it was the third goal of the game, excuse me, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. to make it 3-1. And uh, the, the, the worst part about it all, though, Gil, is that if you were to tell me at the beginning of this is of the series that the panthers would be down 03, i would think that the reason would be goaltending for right. the panthers but sergey bobrovsky has been great in the in these playoffs he's given the panthers a chance uh in in this game in this series and the he's earned his 10 million dollars in these playoffs maybe the one on turnak uh, for the second goal maybe that's one he would have wanted back but there hasn't been those uh goals that just you raise an eyebrow much th- throughout these playoffs for Sergei Bobrovsky, and he's definitely given the panthers a chance i i I, I have I have I've grown to respect sergey Bobrovsky more as a as a two-time vesna trophy uh winner and he's been he's helped the Florida Panthers uh stay in the, like stay in cl- in these close games, but the offensive end for the Panthers has just disappeared.
0: Yeah. And that's the one thing you certainly did not expect. All right if I insert you as the coach of the Florida Panthers, what are you doing? How do you, what do you tell your team before game four? How do you change things up? How do you change the momentum?
1: Well, I just say, take it one shift at a time. For for the for this team, Uh, make sure to communicate on on defense of of who's drawing to who. And especially when the puck is behind the net. Go out, go the Tampa Bay Lightning had three players near the boards while the Florida Panthers had one. So if you see that they're outnumbered, go after the board battles. Mm -hmm. And I'm also I'm also playing Joe Thornton in, in game four. If if I'm if I'm Andrew Burnett, I I, I play him, I, I, I insert him into the lineup. He hasn't played at all throughout the postseason for the Panthers, but I think it's time to to put the the leader the leaders of this team on the ice. Uh, we see how a vocal Patrick Hornquist is. We see how vocal uh, he he is on the on the bench. We see Ben Sherratt as well, who's been to a Stanley Cup final. Claude Giroux as well. So I think that. I think that you got to put Joe Thornton in uh, to try to create something. And and I know a spark can only go so far, but if the Panthers continue to try to go after shots that are not there in lanes that aren't there, then they're going to, they're going to be packing their bags and going home at, after Monday night. So it, it just comes down to only, only, shoot into a lane that you see is actually there or if you actually have an opportunity to get someone in front of the net to create a deflection only if you truly believe so that's the message i'm sending to the players all right armando why don't you tell our viewers and our listeners where they could find the podcast and where they could find you on social media they can find me on twitter at monoman12 follow the show account on twitter at lo underscore f l a panthers and they can follow the show on youtube spotify odyssey Apple, anywhere you listen to podcasts. All right, Armando, always a pleasure. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you as always, Gil.
0: Today's episode is brought to you by a product I literally use every day. I started taking AG1 because I, I didn't really like taking so many pills and vitamins and I wanted a supplement that actually tasted great. Well, I've been on it for seven weeks now and I love it. It doesn't taste like it's super healthy. It has a kind of mild tropical taste that I actually look forward to every morning. And look, what is this stuff? Well, with one delicious scoop of AG1, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food-sourced superfoods, probiotics, and adoptogens to help you start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy recovery, focus, and aging all of these things and it's lifestyle friendly whether you eat keto paleo vegan dairy-free or gluten-free it contains less than one gram of sugar no gmos no nasty chemicals or or artificial anything while still tasting good right now it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition it's just one scoop and a cup of water every day that's it there's no need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health And to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash NHL Network. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash NHL Network to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. And welcome back to the Locked On NHL podcast. So glad you could join us today and thank you for making Locked On NHL your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. It's my pleasure to welcome back a familiar face to the show, the host of Locked On New York Rangers, John Chick. And John, a a big, big win for your team on uh, Sunday. They're back in the series. What was the biggest difference to you in Game 3 as opposed to the first two games?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, game one was good. I thought the Rangers had a pretty strong showing for themselves in game one. It was just one of those things where they couldn't quite hold off the Canes uh, in the third period. Canes kind of found their game, forced into overtime. They throw a puck at the net, and they win. Uh, Game two was not good at all, though. I, I think the biggest difference between game three and game two, the Rangers were just playing with more urgency today, and it just felt like they were very, very aware of the situation they were faced with. I mean, you cannot go down three games to nothing to the Carolina Hurricanes. You can't go down three to nothing to anybody. But, I mean, a team like the Canes, you know, they're a team that's kind of been knocking on the door of of maybe even winning a championship these past couple of seasons. They're playoff battle tested. Uh, The Rangers had to go home and kind of hold serve here. You know, the Canes won uh, the two games in their building. Rangers had to get this one here, work their way back into the series, and they were able to do that. And uh, I think one of the biggest differences, you know, I already mentioned, um, you know, the fact that uh, there was more urgency. I think uh, the Rangers stars showed up in this one for sure. You know, you had Fox to Panarin to Mika on the first goal on the power play. Uh, that was huge too. You know, finally cracking the code that is the Carolina Hurricanes penalty kill unit because they're absolutely fantastic. Uh, and then the second goal was Kreider, And uh, I know Truba had one of the assists. I'm blanking on who had the other one, but uh, but I think it was Mika actually. But bottom yeah, line, yeah, was. I mean, yeah, yeah. The, uh, the Rangers stars showed up in a big way, which in game two, like, I, I hate to kill them and be negative and everything, but they just didn't show up. They didn't give you enough uh, that you would expect from those kinds of guys in game two. But, man, they knew they needed to win this one, and it definitely showed pretty much from the opening face-off all the way through.
0: Yeah, the old cliche is in the playoffs, your best players have to be your best players, and, and today they certainly were.
2: Yeah, no, 100%. I mean, these guys, uh, like I said, they kind of just hit the ground running in this one. And, you know, to kind of just built on the other thing that I mentioned a second ago, it's really big to me that the Rangers scored a goal on the power play against the Canes in this one here, because the last game, game two, you know, they got some chances. They went over four on the power play and, you know, over four is obviously not good. But beyond that, it's just the simple fact that it never really looked like they were going to score. And they even got, you know, a four minute power play. There was a double minor on, I believe it was Brady Shea. And, you know, there just wasn't a whole lot happening. And then, of course, they give up the shorthanded goal to Brandon Smith, of all people. And then... At the very end of that four-minute power play, they take a penalty themselves. So uh, a four-minute power play can't go much worse than that, but they looked a lot better in this one. Just better puck movement and, um, you know, just just dialed in and, and, you know, creating some scoring chances. And uh, Panera and Tamika, I mean, they've linked up for that goal countless times this season. It was great to see them do it uh, against a top-notch PK unit in the playoffs for sure.
0: I'd be negligent if we didn't talk about Igor Shosturkin. 43 saves in this one. What did you see from him that you may be... Didn't see consistently so far in the playoffs.
2: Yeah, I mean, just cool, common collected. Just the Igor that we all know and love. I mean, he uh, tends to rise to the occasion and uh, tends to be at his best, like a lot of the players on this Ranger team are, when you know they've got their backs against the wall, so to speak. You know, against Pittsburgh, I-, I thought overall in the series he played pretty well. It's just Game 3 was not good at all, and Game 4 was a complete disaster from start to finish. Game four was so bad, there's not a goalie on this planet that could have won that game the way that the Rangers played, you know, in front of him. Uh, but in this series, so far, so good. And, you know, it's interesting because, you know, as a Ranger fan and the host of Locked On Rangers, I'm, I'm kind of fixated on what they're doing and, you know, what they're doing well and what they're doing not so well. And there's been so much fixation on the Rangers not scoring goals in the first two games of this period, which or first two games of this series, excuse me which is absolutely true. They only had one goal in the first two games. But, you know, all of a sudden you look at it, okay, we're three games into the series here. You know, the Canes aren't really scoring goals either. You know, they had the the one goal in regulation in game one. They won it in overtime. Game two, they won 2 nothing, but one of them was an empty netter with one second left. And then today, only one goal. So, uh, Igor's back, and I think the Rangers, they were shaky defensively early in this game, but they picked it up a little bit later. Uh, just kind of limited Carolina's scoring opportunities. I don't like the fact that they... Seemed like they were sitting back for too much of the second half of this game, but they held them off. They played good defense, blocking shots, breaking up some passes, uh, just good stuff all around. And then, of course, as you mentioned, Gil, Igor Shesterkin being Igor Shesterkin.
0: And uh, I got to give credit to the fans at the Garden. The the atmosphere was top notch.
2: Yeah, I was feeling it today, man. You know, Game 7 against the Penguins, it was kind of a weird feeling in the building. I, I feel like... You know, part of it might just be that everybody's like so locked in because it's game seven and you're up against your rival who you can't stand and it's winner go home and everybody's just so locked into the play and, you know, a little bit of nervousness as well. Um, so, again, just kind of a weird feeling. You know, when they would score, the place would go nuts. But in this game today, I thought they kept up the energy pretty much right from the start all the way through. And, uh, you know, that was big. Igor Shosturkin even talked about after the game how big that was, uh, them kind of having his back because after he gave up uh, the soft goal that we were talking about, Uh, before we started recording here, Gil, the crowd immediately started doing Igor chants. And it's 2-1 to at that point, and and you're trying to hold off this great team. Uh, So that was awesome. I I thought the Ranger fans in the Garden really stepped up today and uh, really created a really positive atmosphere for the team.
0: What do the Rangers have to do to keep the momentum that they got in Game 3 going? I mean, obviously Game 4, you don't want to go back to Carolina down 3-1. So what does this team have to do?
2: Yeah, no, you don't want to go down 3-1. I mean, I know they just came back from 3-1 against the Penguins, but, man, you're really playing with fire. I mean, how many times can you do that in in a single playoff run, right? So, yeah, you got to win this next one as well. I I think for the most part, just stick to what they did today. You know, uh, overall playing pretty physical hockey, I thought, Uh, finding a way to win the special teams battle, which is always big in the playoffs. Uh, I don't think they're going to have a game in this series where they win the faceoff battle. I mean, the Canes are just really good at winning faceoffs, and the Rangers aren't. There's no magic wand that you can just wave at this point. Um, one thing that I'd like to see them do better, though, and I, I've talked about this on my show, and I hate to be the guy that just screams shoot the entire game. You know any hockey game you go to, there's always like one person in the stands yelling shoot. Um, but yeah, there have been times in this series where they seem to have some really good chances and they opt for that extra pass. And a lot of times you've got a guy who's in prime scoring real estate, and he's passing to a guy who's not in as good of a position as he is. Uh, there was a good example of that today when they were up two to one. Lafreniere, I mean, he was in the slot. He was ready to rip it. You figure he can pick one of the corners. And he passes to Cop, who's kind of on his left. And, you know, Cop got a shot. The save was made. But, man, Laf should have just taken it himself. Just one example. Um, but that's part of how they got back into the Pittsburgh series as well. Game six and seven, you know, they were just letting it fly, and it worked. And then they got away from that again in games one and two here. Today they got back to that a little bit, but I'd like to see them uh, just get back to that as much as possible. You know, when in doubt, just throw the puck at the net. anti Ranta, uh, very good goalie, but he's not Patrick Waugh on his prime, so let's test him a little bit. He wasn't tested at all in game two. He was great in game one, not tested at all in game two. All
0: right, John, why don't you tell our listeners and our viewers where they could find the podcast and where they could find you on social media?
2: Yeah, so you can find the podcast anywhere. I mean, wherever you're listening to this, you can find the podcast as well. We're on YouTube also. And, uh, as far as my own personal Twitter handle at J 17, and then, uh, you got the show Twitter handle as well. That's at L O underscore N Y underscore Rangers. Uh, definitely give us a follow and, uh, yeah, we'll have some fun, uh, watching this crazy Ranger playoff run that we're all going through here together.
0: All right, John, always a pleasure. Thanks for joining us today.
2: Yeah. Thanks for having me, Gil. Pleasure as always.
0: Our partners at bet online continue to be the number one source for all your sports betting needs and sports info Find all the latest odds, news, and sports developments, including this year's basketball playoffs, the Stanley Cup playoffs, Major League Baseball scores, fights, and even next season's NFL futures. Bet Online is your continued source for all your sports wagering information from live betting, the playoffs, esports, and more. Head to the website today. Use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. Bet Online, where the game starts. and welcome back to the locked on nhl podcast so glad you could join us today and thank you for making locked on nhl your first listen every day we are free and available on all platforms my pleasure to welcome back to the show a familiar face to regular listeners and viewers of locked on nhl chris Maselli, the host of locked on avalanche and uh the thursday co-host of this very program and Chris uh, you got a heck of a series on your hand,
3: yeah, uh for in more ways than one, right, yeah, sure. I mean it honestly, up in you know the first couple games, we're really kind of by the book in terms of this is this is the playoff, so we're not gonna do kind of silly things to get our teams penalized, and that didn't happen in game three, but because of the events of game three, I'm really curious to see where this goes now, I think they're has been a flip that was switched and you know these two teams don't like each other they're division rivals but i think because of everything that happened uh it's going to enter into phase two which is maybe not so nice territory going forward we shall see though we shall see
0: so your thoughts about the hit by Nazem Kadri on mm-hmm. Jordan Bennington, And it's been announced that Bennington will not play for the rest of this series, uh, which means it, you're going to see a lot of Billy Huso, but your, your mm-hmm. thoughts about the hit and the controversy surrounding it.
3: So, and I don't want people to think, well, he, you know, he does a, a show for the avalanche. So of course he's going to think it wasn't that big of a deal. It, it, it's a complete unfortunate event. You know, the, the Jordan Bennington has been playing very well for the Blues. He was playing very well in the you know the first game, uh, the first two games of this series. And what happened was just—I don't want to say it was a fluke thing, but injuries sometimes can be a fluke thing. But we have Nazem Kadri involved, and because it's his name on the back of the uniform, people are going to perk their ears up. And immediately go down the road of of intentional, and I just I I can't understand how you you get there outside of because it's because it's cadre. If there's any other name on the back of that uniform, we're not talking about this. And because it's him, and because it, the the end result, not only was Bennington didn't come back, is now we like you said, we know Bennington is not going to be back for the rest of this series. Now we're going to amplify this into what's what was the intention? What was the intent? Well, the intent was there was a, a puck that was freestanding in front of the goal, and he made a play on it. And not only did he make a play on it, Callie Rosen, the defender for the St. Louis Blues, made a play on it. And because of that, it carried both of them into Binnington, both of them into Binnington. But people want to focus on Nazem Kadri. And going into Bennington, it, it, it's an unfortunate event. And if you want to roll back the game a few minutes, Sam Girard got taken out into the boards earlier by Barbashev. Sam Girard broke his sternum because of that hit. And he is out for the remainder of the playoffs, however long the avalanche go. So we don't want to talk about that in terms of that was a hard play. But that's OK. Like, and it was. It was a clean hit. It was a very vicious hit, but it was it was a legal hit. That's OK. But when, you know, a few minutes later, when Kadri's making a hard play on a puck that could potentially be a goal for his team, we want to say that was intentional and dirty. And it's going to follow him around for his entire career. I implore people to go read the article that he wrote for the Players' Tribune, which was like a week or two ago where he lays all this out. He doesn't want to be known as this type of player. He's going to be though. I think he he's he understands that he's going to live with that. But this play right here, this if you want to talk about last year against the Blues, um and the hit he had uh on, on Falk, we can talk about that. And, and that that was that was a hit to the head. That was kind of a vicious hit. Kadri says he was going for the body and Falk kind of you know went down a little bit with his head and he got him in the head. We can have that conversation. For this one, it's a hockey play. The dude, is is that where we're at? Where the dude can't make a hard hockey play now, and we're just going to look at it as he's he's a dirty player? I'm uh, I'm not going there.
0: Well, I mean, look. In all fairness, to play devil's advocate here, his reputation does precede him. It's not Absolutely. like he's never been accused of borderline or crossing that line before. You mm-hmm. mentioned one particular incident, so. I understand objectively why people may focus on, again, as you said, because it was his name on the back of the jersey, why that would possibly be the case. How do you see the Blues reacting in game four and beyond as a result of this occurrence?
3: That That's that's a, a really good question, Gil, because like I said in the beginning, like this is the playoffs. You don't want to do things – that you would normally do to retaliate in the regular season and potentially hurt your team by doing it. So I don't know. I, like, I don't think the blues can just sit there and just let it happen. So maybe they throw a fourth liner out there to start the game and, and kind of uh go after him, but that is hurting your team. You know, I, I don't know. They're, they're in a tough spot because, you know, like you said, like it, it has to be addressed on the ice. And unfortunately for Kadri, like, yeah, that's his reputation. And and it's unfairly a little bit. I'm not going to say it's completely unfair, but I'm taking these things on on individual plays. And for that individual play, it's nowhere near anything that he's done in the past. But, um, and for the Avalanche, you know, with Gerard out, now the the question is for them too. What are they going to do? You know, they have options. But what is the option? Is the option Jack Johnson who likely would just step in 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 the event of an injury? But because all of this excess stuff is going on, do they bring in Curtis McDermott just to police the ice in case things do get ramped up a little bit? That could be an option for the app. So it's... it's, uh, (laughs) Grab your popcorn. Grab your popcorn because Game 4 is going to be interesting.
0: And... and to play again devil's advocate my concern is what happens in game 4 if it's a one-sided game how you know if it's 5-1 mm. with 10 oh, minutes yeah. left in this game all heck could break loose
3: you know what I, it, that that's probably where it will go maybe not right off of uh, opening puck drop they're looking for kadri and trying to get some revenge uh, maybe that that is their answer. Not not to say that they're going to play lose the game. They're not going to do that. No. But you're right. If it does get out of control, and you know it, that that happens in a normal playoff hockey game, um, now there's definitely added 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 incentive. Sorry. Um, yeah. If the Avs are are well up in this game with a couple minutes left, then. I don't think there's any doubt you're going to start seeing some
0: Or some if hits. the Blues are well up they could do it also. Uh
3: yeah, do, uh, I guess you're right. I guess you're yeah, because I mean, as long as they, you know, they don't want to do anything either way that's that's suspendable. Uh maybe just, you know, throw some cheap shots in there whether they're up and down. Yeah, yeah, you're probably right on that. What do the
0: Avalanche have to do to take control of this series right now?
3: Well, th- there was a big difference between the style of playing game one against game two. Game one, it was all Avs all day long. And they ju- – I mean, they needed overtime to win that game, but they had 50-some shots on net. Um, and then game two, you knew that St. Louis was going to flip the scripts. Like this was not going to be a one-sided series like it was in round one for the abs against the Predators. So and then Game Three, the Avs kind of took it back. So this this is the chess match of what this series is going to be. But for the Abs, they have to continue to get good uh, goaltending from Darcy Kemper, um, and they 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 need to attack a little bit more uh, the Blues defenders because that is the one area where the Blues are lacking in comparison to the Avs. These two teams match up very good, and this is going to be a very long series. And where the Avs have the advantage is their offense and their top six against the Blues defenders. And if they keep just forcing the issue, but the Blues are doing a very good job and creating good gap control. They're not giving them a lot of time and space. The Blues are making it difficult. And Ryan O'Reilly is covering Nathan McKinnon like a hawk. So it's tough. It's tough to generate really good scoring chances. They're getting good, they're getting shots on net. But those high danger shots, Avalanche are having a tough time getting to those. So they got to kind of open it up a little bit. Easier said than done.
0: A lot of chess matches going on inside this series. Chris, why don't you tell our viewers and our listeners where they could find the podcast, where they could find you on social media?
3: Yeah, follow the show on Twitter, L O P N underscore Avalanche. We're also on Instagram, Locked on Avalanche, and our YouTube channel. Just search Locked on Avalanche for that and give that a follow or then subscribe. And then uh, I, I, I'm i only one half of this show. I, I right. host it with Kyle Sullivan and our uh, individual Twitter pages are on our Locked On yeah. profile. So go check those out too. All right, Chris, always a pleasure. Thanks for joining us today. Anytime, Gil. Thanks, man.
0: All right. That's going to do it for this episode of the Locked On NHL podcast. I want to thank my guest Armando Velez, John Chick, and Chris Micelli for joining me today. And uh, look, thank you for making Locked On NHL your first listen. For your next listen, check out the Locked On Now podcast, nightly recaps of every NHL game with analysis from our local experts. It's free and available wherever you get podcasts. Have a great day, everybody. Stay safe. And thank you for listening to the Locked On NHL podcast.